0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 26, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Some of the broad, vacuum cleaner-style surveillance powers authorized by amendments to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act are up for reauthorization, with just days left before they expire. This is roughly par for the course, given that the feds rarely debate the effectiveness of these largely unchecked powers. Julian Sanchez, a research fellow at the Cato Institute, says the feds can't or won't really even tell us how many Americans are having their communications intercepted. So as 2012 uh, comes to a close, uh, we also see the
1: expiration of the FISA Amendments Act of 2008 pending, and uh, perhaps surprisingly, this close to the expiration of that broad surveillance authority, um, Congress has not yet moved to reauthorize the law. Partly this is because Senator Ron Wyden has been trying to hold up Uh, the passage of that bill in order to get some amendments considered. Uh, But I think predictably, we're going to see a pattern we've seen again and again with intelligence legislation like this, including every time the Patriot Act uh, comes up for reauthorization, Uh, certainly something we saw with the predecessor to the FISA Amendments Act, the Protect America Act, which actually lapsed briefly, and we heard this sort of panic. You've got to reauthorize it immediately or we're going to be you know, blind and in the dark and unable to uh, spy on our enemies.
0: But this was after repeatedly promising, oh, we will have hearings. I mean, right. the Obama administration and Congress promised we're going to have hearings on the Patriot Act. Hearings never occur. And then it's a rush to get something passed. And so uh,
1: we see again and again, this sort of manufactured crisis. And of course, just as with the Protect America Act and the Patriot Act provisions, there's a sort of grandfather clause in there. So it's not like any ongoing surveillance would have to stop uh, if it lapsed. And it's not like they haven't had plenty of time to discuss amendments and reforms. These sort of manufactured crises are inevitably used to ram through reauthorization. The House has already uh, approved a five-year extension of these surveillance authorities um, without any kind of serious debate. And yet it's so clear that uh, debate and discussion is really important. Uh, we know already that almost immediately after it was passed, the FISA Amendments Act, which essentially allows the NSA to do very broad vacuum cleaner surveillance, uh, targeting foreign groups, and uh, as we saw in the House debate, is that this causes a lot of confusion, uh, or at least apparent confusion, among supporters of the law. They say, "Well, look, this isn't about." targeting Americans in the United States. It's only about targeting foreigners, so Americans don't have to worry. Um, And this is, you know, frankly, just an incredibly misleading way to look at it. Uh, The way the FISA Amendments Act works is that instead of individualized warrants, it allows uh, the the director of national intelligence to uh, ask for broad authorizations uh, that involve the court approving targeting procedures, um, which basically just means that some overseas group is named as the target. Uh, And then procedures are developed, an algorithm essentially is developed to sweep in phone calls and emails that are targeting that group. Um, So that means an email account on a Gmail server that they believe has some connection to uh, Al-Qaeda or WikiLeaks for that matter, another foreign group, um, can be targeted. And the limitation really is just that they can't intercept communications known at the time of interception to be wholly domestic. But if you think about For example, email, that's not much of a limitation, right? You've got an account on a server, uh, and of course, until you have intercepted all those emails, you don't necessarily know um, whether or not they're wholly domestic. It turns out that most of those emails are domestic, uh, as long as you didn't know it at the time. That's allowed. Um, And again, the fact that the targets here are groups and not individual people mean there's an enormous potential for over-collection. We know that happened almost immediately after the law was passed. That is to say there was large-scale collection of entirely domestic communications. We know that the secret FISA court, which is normally incredibly deferential, has already ruled at least once that surveillance under the FISA Amendments Act violated the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, protecting our Uh, freedom from unreasonable searches. Uh, We know that the scale of this is really enormous because, again, the targeting procedures just have to be designed so as to – uh, essentially collect at least one side foreign communications so they can take a vacuum cleaner approach. And from what we know about the program, they do, in fact, take a very broad vacuum cleaner uh, approach, uh, capturing an enormous volume of international communications, including communications between Americans and people overseas and uh, and then store those in enormous database to be searched through later. Uh, One of the concerns that uh, Ron Wyden has raised and one of the amendments he's trying to push through here um, is a prohibition on what he's called backdoor searches. And it's very clear this is something the government and the intelligence community believes is absolutely legitimate. That is to say, having very broadly collected all these international communications with a nominal foreign target like Al-Qaeda or WikiLeaks, can they then go through that vast database and search for an individual American's name or other identifying information. Um, That's essentially a way, as they say, of of, uh, doing a search on a U.S. person through the back door um, because once the information is collected, there's not an additional uh, court intervention there. And Wyden wants, I think, very appropriately to say, look, if you're searching the database, which is enormous because you're collecting so broadly up front, for an American, that's really a search that's targeting an American, even if you've already collected all the emails. And so that should require individualized judicial approval. Uh, And the intelligence community has been very clear that they don't want any kind of restrictions uh, on their ability to search for particular Americans' communications. Um, There's also the question of just finding out how much uh, they are in fact collecting Americans' communications. And the intelligence community has repeatedly refused to even give any kind of ballpark estimate. Is it 100 Americans they're collecting on every year? Is it 1,000? Is it millions of Americans' communications that are being intercepted? Um, Because that matters to the presentation of this as something that fundamentally affects uh, foreigners and only incidentally or occasionally affects uh, the privacy of Americans' communications. Uh, It seems, again, very likely from what we know about the program that it is so broad in the upfront collection that Many millions of American communications could very well be sitting in that database indefinitely uh, waiting for someone to decide that uh, they're interested perhaps years from now in what uh, Americans were saying. Uh, Also, uh, Senator Jeff Merkley has proposed uh, an amendment that would require uh, NSA and the FISA court and the Justice Department to do what they have already committed to doing, which is to say making public at least declassified summaries of important opinions – interpreting the FISA Amendments Act. And this is hugely significant because in a democracy, we're not supposed to have secret laws. And we know that a lot of these intelligence powers have been interpreted by secret courts in ways that people who are cleared to know about it say uh, are are really far broader than what an ordinary American reading legislation uh, would would think is permitted. Uh, And so then the question is, okay, do we actually have a body of secret law that gives these intelligence agencies a lot more power than even most legislators think they granted to these intelligence agencies? Um, and what we're you know, mostly hearing from both the administration, the Obama administration, which when this legislation was originally proposed – uh, you know, committed to filibuster it. That is to say, then Senator Obama committed to filibuster it uh, and, and eventually backed down on that. Uh, we're just hearing, no, look, this is absolutely critical. We need to we need to uh, pass it, and we can't waste too much time talking about these problems. You just to trust that there's enough oversight in place to keep these powers from being abused. Uh, and again, the entire record of the use of these post 9/11 intelligence powers suggests that there's just no reason. to go on trust. We see it again and again. um, These powers have been misused. The safeguards that are supposed to be in place to protect the privacy of innocent Americans have been ignored. And we see again and again that the breathless claims of how absolutely essential these powers are uh, have been under scrutiny after the fact, basically false. We know, you know, the original Bush warrantless wiretapping program, we were told, it's absolutely essential, it's been saving lives and disrupting terror plots. And then finally... When the inspectors general of the Justice Department and the intelligence agencies produced a report on that program in 2009, what they found was, no, you know, people said it was sort of a useful tool, but we couldn't find any instance where uh, there was a clear-cut intelligence success that just absolutely relied on this program, where this program was what allowed uh, a terrorist plot to be disrupted or foiled. Uh, Same thing with fusion centers. For years, touted as a centerpiece of the American counterterrorism strategy, and then Uh, Lo and behold, after a two-year investigation, the Senate uh, Homeland Security Committee comes out and says, no, it turns out basically that all these fusion centers, which are sort of information-sharing hubs, were just wasting billions of dollars of tax money and produced no useful intelligence at all. So we need to take with a grain of salt the claim that this is an absolutely essential tool uh, to keep us safe from terrorists, uh, but also I think take with an enormous grain of salt uh, the claims that there's no need to worry about uh, uh, Basically, millions upon millions of communications being swept in. You know, We need to ask if Americans don't need to worry about surveillance under the FISA Amendments Act, why can't they even estimate for us how many Americans have been swept up in this dragnet? If we don't need to worry about so-called backdoor searches, about this supposedly internationally targeted surveillance power being used – to search for information about particular American citizens, why have they fought so hard against the common sense requirement that if you're sweeping up this broadly and then you use the database to look for information about a particular American that just as you would normally if you were investigating an American, you get a warrant … Uh, particularly naming that person and their communications rather than leaving it to the discretion of the individual NSA analyst. Limiting the discretion of the executive, of the person conducting the search, is what the Fourth Amendment was supposed to be all about. And we need to uh, take that requirement more seriously and insist on serious debate rather than just saying we're frightened of terrorists. We we can't take the time to ask whether this is really keeping us safer, whether it's really uh, not harming our privacy in ways we're going to come to regret.
0: Julian Sanchez is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work on these largely unchecked government surveillance powers at cato.org.